before we dig in, I want to just thank you and praise God for how he's using you even during a pandemic. Could I give you just three quick examples? Uh, first of all, our online children's Awana ministry has now gone international with children now joining us from the country of Oman, O-M-A-N, Oman, uh, there in the Middle East. Uh, a second example is last Sunday we talked about how Pastor Ashraf is translated, uh, rooted uh, into uh, the discipleship program and experience that we use here. And uh, 2,000 of our people have gone through rooted and it's being just around the globe, just being used in such a powerful way. Well, I talked about how Pastor Ashraf has now been asked by Pastor Marathi in Nairobi, Kenya of our sister church, the Mavano Church, uh, to translate rooted into Arabic. And also this past month, our missionaries to Peru, uh, John and Natalia Gunderson, have also started Rooted online in Peru. So from the Arabic countries to Peru to Oman, all around the world, you are being used by God to change our world for Christ. And then closer to home, a couple of Sundays ago, I mentioned that the mayor of Pomona, Tim Sandoval, had asked two of our pastors to serve on a seven-person task force. So two out of the seven are pastors from our church to help build stronger relationships between law enforcement and our community here in the city of Pomona. Well, last week, just an update to that, uh, Pastor Eric Vasquez, who's our group's pastor here at Purpose Church, was asked to be the chairman of that task force. So please be in prayer uh, for Eric and also for Pastor Tomiko as they serve in that important capacity. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of how God is using you uh, you're giving, you're serving, you're praying, you're involvement. God is using you uh, to change our world for Christ, and I am so blessed uh, to be your pastor. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of how God is using Purpose Church even during 2020. Uh, now, before we get into today's study, uh, let's look at some of the COVID memes that you have sent me. I've used a, a lot in the past, and you've begun to send them to me. So let me share some of the ones that you, our Purpose Church family, have sent to share with me. Uh, I love this first one. Is anyone else concerned about the 2020 season finale? <laughs> Here's a painful one. If 2020 was a slide, <laughs> that... that that just hurts looking at it. All right, um, here, here's, here's a gross one. Okay, here's a disgusting one. If 2020 was a bag of chips, it would be the orange juice and toothpaste uh, variety of uh, potato chips. How, how, how would that go over? This one's even more disgusting. If 2020 was a scented candle, <laughs> this is what it would look like. And then I love this next one. After corona is over, we have to wear our mask like this for two months, maybe, I think it might be seven or eight months, in order to get our ears back into place once again. Uh, now, finally, uh, enforcing the wearing of a mask. You know, people are really intense on this and kind of enforcing and getting each other, holding each other accountable to get their mask on. But it has gotten so strict uh, now that even animals are getting into it. Let's, let's watch this. Uh, even animals are snapping up uh, the mask and getting people to put their mask back on their face uh, once again. All right, enough of that. 
Let's continue our fall series entitled, Here Comes a Comeback. And today we're gonna be looking at Naomi and Ruth, the women who had a comeback in 1100 BC, and you who are having a comeback in 2020 AD. Now the parallels between their comeback and our comeback are just absolutely amazing. I was just gonna, I picked Ruth as just a great comeback story. But as I've been digging into it, I'm telling you, the book of Ruth is a, a COVID parallel. It is our book. If First Peter, that we studied during the summer, was our book uh, during uh, COVID, uh, during the summer from the New Testament, well then Ruth is a perfect parallel book to what we are going through from the Old Testament, what we are going through today uh, with the COVID pandemic. Uh, your comeback is summarized by our theme verse uh, here this morning. Psalm 30, verse five. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Let's hold that there for just a second. I love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Weeping may stay for the night or for a season of your life, but rejoicing is gonna come in the morning when God gives us a comeback. Now the story of Ruth, uh, the book of Ruth is such a great story. It begins with a famine and it ends with a harvest. It begins with a funeral and it ends uh, with a wedding. Uh, just a tremendous story. So we're gonna look at eight ways that their story parallels our story. Number one, Naomi came back from a famine. Let's look at uh, Ruth chapter one, verse one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Uh, this is in Canaan, or what is uh, the nation of Israel. So a man from Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. Now, I, Kimberly and I just love the name Naomi. We almost named our first daughter uh, Naomi. It was between Abigail and Naomi, and we were leaning towards Naomi, but then I went deer hunting one day in upstate New York, uh, where we were pastoring at that time, and God spoke to me in the woods while I was deer hunting and said it should be Abigail, and so I went back to Kimberly, and uh, she prayed about it as well, and so we came up with Abigail. We wish we had more children so we could have used the name uh, Naomi. Just love that name. His wife's name was Naomi. She's one of the two stars of our story here uh, today. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites, Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, and uh, they lived there. Now, they came back, Ruth and, and particularly Naomi, came back from a famine, but you are in the process of coming back from a pandemic. They came back from a famine, you're coming back from a pandemic. Uh, here's the second parallel. Uh, Naomi and Ruth had a loss. They had a series of losses. It says in verse three, now Limelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. Now let's just pause here on Orpah. Fun little uh, fact that I don't know if you knew this or not or had heard this story, but this is who Oprah Winfrey was uh, named after, even though it's Orpah, not Oprah. And the story that Oprah Winfrey tells about this is that she had an aunt named Aunt Ida who evidently really knew the minutia and the trivia of her Bible. 
And so she liked this character in the Bible of Orpah, so they named her Orpah. But uh, Oprah Winfrey's family was unfamiliar with that name. I mean, everybody knows Ruth, but hardly anybody knows Orpah. And so they uh, pronounced and spelled it Oprah from her infancy. But if it remains, Oprah Winfrey says that if you go to her birth certificate, it still says Orpah from this Bible story rather than Oprah. Now, one interesting thing about this Orpah in her village was that she would go around the village saying, and you get a chariot, and you get a chariot, and you get a chariot. That's we don't know that to be true, but, but like it, it, it could have been true. So anyway, they, she has two daughter-in-laws, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there uh, for about 10 years, both Malan and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. Ruth loses her husband, and Naomi uh, loses two sons and also her husband as well. So Ruth and Naomi had their losses, and you have had losses, haven't you? Uh, maybe during COVID, you've lost your job or your business. I just talked to a couple from our church just last Sunday who lost their family business because of COVID. And so they're leaving it all and, and restarting their business in another state. Uh, Got to start all over again because of that loss. Uh, maybe you lost a friend or a family member to COVID. Maybe you lost a part of a school year or graduation or a wedding, or you were unable to grieve in person at the funeral of somebody that you loved. Uh, we here at the church, we've lost face-to-face -face Christian fellowship and encouragement. Uh, we've lost the ability to have our children biblically trained face-to-face -face in the church. Uh, we're going through, uh, many of us, the stages of grief, denial, uh, anger, bargaining, sadness, and acceptance with a new purpose. Uh, David Kessler, who's considered the top expert in all the world on grief, he wrote this in the Harvard Business Review. He writes, as people go back to work, or as those who have stayed on the job through the crisis began to interact with returning workers, many will still be grieving. Not everyone will be at the same stage at the same time. Employers, employees, leaders, managers, and organizations need to recognize this. If people seem unusually angry, we should give them space and exercise patience. They are grieving. Most important is to allow people to feel these stages. A peculiarity of modern life is that we have feelings about our feelings. We may feel sadness and then tell ourselves we shouldn't be sad, that others have suffered more. We do this with many emotions. Ultimately, it doesn't work. Allowing yourself to experience the stages of grief to let feelings move through you is how you get to that fifth stage of acceptance. He goes on to say, leaders should think about three groups of people that are all working together. First are what he calls the worried well. The worried well. They're healthy. They haven't experienced sickness around them, but they are concerned they may still be grieving losses of work or normalcy, of opportunities and events, work projects that they were passionate about, weddings, holiday gatherings, vacations and trips. Students are losing activities that fulfill them. Seniors are grieving the loss of the capstones to their academic careers, graduations, proms, and other ceremonies. Those are legitimate losses that create grief. The worried well 
are also experiencing anticipatory grief, deep anxiety in which the mind imagines future losses of all the above and more and the effect on loved ones. Within this group are minimizers and maximizers. Which are you? Which am I? A minimizer or a maximizer? Minimizers cope by denying the severity of the situation or hoping deeply, nervously for the best. Maximizers, maximizers imagine the sky is falling. The truth lies somewhere between the two points of view. So there, there's the worried well. The second group are called the affected, who were sick themselves or know someone who was sick, but has recovered or will recover. These people haven't just imagined trauma, they've experienced it. They will benefit from accommodation and validation. Some may need counseling and other support mechanisms. And then thirdly, after the worried well and the affected, the third group holds the bereaved. They have lost a loved one, are grieving a death, and will be dealing directly with the five stages of grief. Many of them will be far from acceptance. And so they had losses, and we've had losses uh, during the time that we've gone through. Here's a third parallel. Naomi and Ruth entered a new reality. It says in verse six, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now here's a map of uh, Moab on one side and Canaan or Israel on the other side. And you'll see that uh, Naomi went to a new reality when she left Bethlehem through Jerusalem, through Jericho that we talked about last Sunday, over into the country of Moab. And so she went into a new reality, a new culture, uh, a, a new country, uh, a place with new customs. She went to a new reality. And now Ruth is coming back from her home country of Moab and she is taking the same road in reverse back to Canaan, back to Israel, back to Bethlehem when she will encounter new customs, new culture, uh, maybe a new language. It, it's gonna be just so, so different. And so the same thing is true for us. You have entered a new reality. Uh, back to that map, let's use it as a parallel. Uh, you went from pre-COVID to COVID, and now you're in the process, hopefully, of going from COVID to post-COVID. And it's, it's a new reality. It feels like a, a new a culture. It seems like language is different. Things mean things differently. Things are different, they're just different. And so in the same way Naomi and Ruth entered a new reality, you, through your comeback, are entering a new reality as well. Here's a fourth way uh, that they parallel each other. Ruth made a fresh commitment to love God and to love Naomi. Now Orpah makes the decision to go back home. And now Ruth has a choice to make. Will she go back home with Orpah, her sister-in-law, back to their home country of Moab, or will she continue on to a new reality, a new place, uh, back in Israel, back in Bethlehem, with her mother-in-law, Naomi? And we pick it up with verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, 
Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And now comes one of those beautiful passages in all the Bible. I use it in weddings uh, many times. It can apply, it's between a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law, but it can apply to a husband and wife, uh, to a, a couple getting married with each other, for, for friends with each other. It's just a beautiful uh, passage about commitment. It says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so here, uh, Ruth makes a fresh commitment uh, to Naomi and a fresh commitment to Naomi's God. And the same thing is true for us. We need to make a fresh commitment to love God and to love each other, particularly during the season in which we find ourselves. Uh, here's my challenge to you, my church family. The next 23 days between now and the election are gonna be some of the hardest days we've ever faced to love each other. It's gonna be hard sometimes for family members to love each other, particularly extended family members, or maybe within your own family. It's gonna be hard to love each other. It's sometimes gonna be hard for friends to love each other. It may be hard for us to love each other within the church. I think these next 23 days until the November election is gonna be some of the hardest days to love each other. And so like Ruth, let's make a fresh commitment uh, to God. Uh, to pray for our nation, and to love each other. A fresh commitment. Let's commit for the next 23 days. We're gonna love God, and we're gonna pray for his will to be done for our nation like never before. And we're gonna love each other despite the differences that we may have and despite all the pressures. Let our church be a place that is known for unity and love in spite of our differences. The Lord's not looking for uniformity. He's looking for unity. Our goal here at Purpose Church, because we are so different in so many ways, our goal here is not uniformity, except when it comes to the things clearly taught within God's word. There we have uniformity. But our goal should be unity. We love each other in spite of our differences. We love each other sometimes even because of our differences. And let's pray for our nation. You know, every Monday night, between now and the election, a group of people from our church have made a commitment to pray for our nation at 6 p.m. on Monday nights on the community terrace. And they would just love to have you join them. It's completely nonpartisan where they just pray for unity. They just pray for God's will. They just pray for our nation. 6 p.m. Monday nights uh, on the community terrace outdoors between now and the election. Let's pray for God's will and for unity together uh, as, as a church family. And then the fifth parallel between them and between us, Ruth and Naomi and us, is Ruth, even though she was in a hard season of life, kept gleaning what she could. You see, sometimes we think, oh, the only time to fulfill God's purpose for our life is when there's a full-on harvest. But here we're gonna see that Ruth took the leftovers, and God used the leftovers even more powerfully than he used a full harvest. 
And the same thing is true in your life. He could use the leftovers of COVID uh, the, with the inconveniences we have, with the obstacles we have. He could use this time in your life and through you even more powerfully than when everything's going well and when it's a time of prosperity like we've had in past years or like we, we may have again in future years. Now to understand what I mean by she's gleaning what she could, you gotta go back three centuries, 300 years, three centuries before Ruth, God gave Israel, his people, these commands. Leviticus 19, verse nine. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. That is, don't try to get everything you can out of that field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. And you say, okay, well, why do that? That seems like you're not maximizing your profit from your property there. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. It's repeated in Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheath, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Now these are examples, these are not exhaustive. These are just anybody that uh, is, is, lacks a power, lacks ability to provide for themselves, who's, who's poor, uh, anybody who is relatively powerless within that society. And, and Ruth fit all three categories of examples. Like I said, it could be many other things. We should ask the question, who is it in our culture? Who is it in our society? And so he says, leave it for the foreigner. Ruth was a foreigner. The fatherless, her father was back in Moab, so she's kind of, practically speaking, maybe not technically, fatherless, and a widow. She's a widow. So that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Do you see a pattern going on there? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You yourself were one time um, powerless or, or disadvantaged. Um, you, you didn't have the advantages you now have. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you uh, to do this. And so that's the, the category, that's the, the context uh, for the story now as we come back to chapter two, verses one through three. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. This is, she knew that Boaz was an Israelite who obeyed God's word found in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, the law of Moses. So he was obedient to the law. So there would be something there uh, to glean. There would be leftovers left behind in obedience to God's word. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, oh, I love that phrase. As it turned out, lo and behold, in the middle of the hardest time in her life, as it turned out, God is working behind the scenes for her good. And the same thing is true for you. In the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of what we're going through, as it turned out, 
God is up to something behind the scenes. God, God is doing something in your life. It may seem like, well, what good can God do in my life in this season? And Ruth could have felt the same way, but as it turned out, God is working behind the scenes in her life and in your life and in my life uh, as well. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of, of Elimelech. Um, and so uh, here we see that God is working behind the scenes in order to uh, help her, and she continues to work and to glean even when it doesn't seem as productive as it might in other periods of time. And in the same way that Ruth did that, we need to keep gleaning even though we are in a hard season of life. You know, there's a temptation right now uh, during the pandemic to say, well, you know what? I'll just wait until conditions are better before I continue to fulfill God's purpose in my life. You know, right now, it's just, there's just not much going on. There's not much opportunity. And so I'm just gonna kind of hunker down until this thing is over. And you know, the same way that Ruth said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work even when there's just leftovers in the field, gleanings, just things that happen to be left over. I'm gonna keep working. And the same thing is true during COVID. We need to keep gleaning, keep moving ahead. God, how can you use me? God, how can you work in my life even during a hard season in life where there doesn't seem like there's as much opportunity as other times? Uh, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia in Galatians 6, 9, and 10. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, therefore, as we have opportunity let us do good to all people, especially to those that belong to the family of believers. Now, the sixth parallel between their story and our story is hard times revealed Ruth's character. Uh, picking it up with verse four. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Uh, the Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so hard times revealed Ruth's character. And hard times will reveal our character. It'll reveal my character and your character. Our character is being developed and revealed 
during this difficult season that we're in right now. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 5 verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope. Now a seventh uh, parallel between their story and our story. Naomi and Ruth had a comeback. Ruth and Boaz get married. And by the way, you gotta read this whole story. I'm just hitting the highlights here today and, and really this afternoon or before you go to bed tonight, if you sit down, really it'll take you 15 minutes to read the story of Ruth um, from beginning to end. Take it like 15, 20 minutes. Do it before you go to bed tonight because it's such a wonderful story. And like I said, there's so many parallels to what we're going through right now. But here's the happy ending. Ruth and Boaz get married. It says in verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Aren't daughter-in-law and son-in-laws wonderful? And she had a wonderful daughter-in-law. And the women say, you know what? That daughter-in-law you got, she's better than seven sons. And I know many of you, like me, we love our sons-in-law and we love our daughter-in-laws and what a blessing they are. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. Now let's just hold this for a second. Can we go back to that verse? This is the way it should be, okay? Right, grandparents? Grandparents, wouldn't you agree with me? This is the way it should be. You know, Kimberly and I refer to our children as the caretakers of our, oh, those caretakers of our, of our grandchildren. The, grand, grandparents, would you agree with me? This is the way it ought to be. They, the baby comes, Obed is born, and they don't hand him to his mother, Ruth, they hand him to his grandmother, Naomi. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared uh, for him. Verse 17, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. I get such a kick out of that. No, it's a grandson. They're like, no, 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 no. This is just like a son. This is a grandmother. Get out of the way of grandma. She doesn't have a grandson. She has, she has a son, although they, they really know that it's the grandson. And they named him Obed, he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who was the great king of Israel. Greatest king Israel ever had. One of the greatest kings in all of human history. Now just think about that for a moment. Ruth, who just a little bit ago was as down and out and poor and beaten down as you can be, picking up the leftovers that were left behind, the harvesters in the field, poor and downtrodden, um, powerless as you can be, she is gonna become the great-grandmother of King David of Israel. And Naomi, who just lost a husband and two sons, and, and she even said, uh, part of the story I didn't cover, her, her name Naomi meant pleasant. And she said, don't call me that, because my life is not pleasant. Call me Mara, because my life is bitter. Uh, Hebrew, uh, Mara means uh, bitter in Hebrew, and Naomi means pleasant in Hebrew. She said, don't call me that. My life is bitter. She now becomes the great 
grandmother, the great-great-grandmother, I should say, of the king of Israel. They had a comeback, and you will have a comeback. You hold on to God's hand with all your might, just like that father and son held on to each other in the video clip I showed at the beginning, just like Ruth and Naomi held on to each other. You, you hold on to the hand of Jesus. You'll have a comeback. Back to our theme verse. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And then number eight, the eighth parallel between their story and our story, Jesus was glorified in Ruth and Naomi's comeback. Matthew chapter one, uh, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, skipping down to verse five. Salmon, uh, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth, the father of Jesse, uh, verse six, uh, skipping down to verse six, and Jesse, the father of King David, and then skipping down to verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So Jesus was born into the world as a result of this comeback story, and Jesus is gonna be glorified in your comeback story. He was glorified in their comeback story. Jesus will be glorified in your comeback story. Peter writes, and the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, Purpose Church, wherever you are, you're not watching by accident. God wanted you to say, hang in there for a little while. After that's over, will himself restore you. He's gonna restore you, make you strong. He's gonna make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And all God's family said, amen. Uh, as we close in prayer, uh, I wanna just give an opportunity. Have you ever opened up your heart and receive the Jesus of this story? Because really all stories lead back to Jesus. Ruth and Naomi's story led to Jesus. Our comeback story leads to Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Uh, it finishes with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And if you'd like to receive him right now, if you want to begin to follow Jesus, would you pray silently as I pray out loud? Three phrases, sorry, thank you, and please. First of all, sorry. God, I'm sorry for the wrong in my life, how I have failed you and failed other people and failed to love other people as I should. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But then thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you weren't just born uh, 2,000 years ago. You lived a perfect life, and then you died on a cross in my place. Thank you for doing that so that I could be forgiven. And now please come into my heart I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. Be my savior, forgive me for my wrongdoing, and be my king, my leader, my Lord. I wanna follow you um, for, for the rest of my life, during good times, but also during difficult times like the pandemic we're in right now. Uh, we will worship him, Jesus, during the good times, but also during the challenging times, we will worship him. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.